there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, we start this edition of Advanced Medicine Monday. We do Medical Rewind each week with Dr. Rasha Bittar with an interesting edi- editorial comment or commentary in something called the Financial Post of all places, Dr. Bittar. This is really cool. This guy named Lawrence Solomon, he says, get dirty and avoid vaccines. Well, that's interesting, especially coming from a financial consultant, huh? I know, I know. Some of these financial guys are pretty smart, and it's smarter than a lot of the doctors. Is he, is he recommending gold, too? Uh, yeah, let's see. Mm, gold, gold, gold. <laughs> no, I don't see that listed in this one. But he actually is is taking on some of these so-called immunologists that are really arguing, oh, man, you've got to have vaccinations, you've got to have vaccinations. And he's, he's actually, uh, this guy's re- reading into it really well. He says the hygiene hypothesis perceives unintended results, more allergies. So he acknowledges that those who are you know, so afraid of germs and vaccinating for everything are actually creating many chronic diseases that wouldn't be there. And that's, that's actually true. I, I just well, find be- it funny when we got to go to our economists to learn about health and things, but it just tells you how bad off the medical profession has become. Right. Well, you know, for everybody that may be listening that didn't quite understand that, I think it's important to talk about that because... The old adage, whatever doesn't kill you only serves to make you stronger, is true not only for us, but it's also true for the various bacteria and viruses and such out there. So if it's not sufficient to annihilate it, which many of these things aren't, what it does is it mutates the bacteria or the virus, or they become highly mutagenic, adaptogenic, and they survive, and then it just makes them more resistant. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not, for example, methyl-resistant staph aureus. To me, I still... Uh, don't necessarily believe that, in fact, I was talking to a surgeon about this, I don't necessarily believe that it's really so resistant as it is that those indi- there's certain individuals that are more susceptible to it. But if your immune system's intact, it doesn't matter if it's methyl-resistant staph or it's not. You're right. not going to end up having a problem with it. And no, we're, we, we're in a stuff. complete agreement with that, Dr. Batar. I want to reiterate that because... It, when it's told in the media, of course, it's hyped up as a super bug. And it is super in terms of it, its ability to eat methicillin antibiotics, but it's not stronger. It's just that it's, it's developed an ability to, to work around or right through the antibiotic that's thrown at it. But if your immune system is intact, it's not going to get you any worse than a regular staff is. That's exactly right. That's completely right. I, I completely agree with you. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't get that. You know, if the resistance... Uh, the resistance factor is actually more a susceptibility factor that the individual has. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not so much a resistance factor with the, with the bacterium, it's more the susceptibility factor of the individual. So, you know, Lyme is a great example of this because they call Lyme uh, disease the great masquerader, right? Right. Well, the reason that they call that the mas- great masquerader is because it uh, simulates uh, so many different types of disease processes and According to the Centers for Disease Control, the incidence of Lyme in North America is about 10 million cases, and some people estimate that that is only 10% accurate, so it's about 100 million cases. But 
if that's true, if there truly are 100 million cases of Lyme, that's basically, if you look at just the American population, that's 330 million people. If you include Canadian, looks at 450 million people. So that means that one out of every four and a half people has Lyme. Well, if it's that uh, endemic, Prevalent. then mm-hmm. really the entire population has Lyme, but only one out of four or one out of four and a half are susceptible to it. The others are not. Why are they not? Mm-hmm. And I would posture this because our immune systems are intact and not uh, vulnerable to the spirochete. And so we are able to actually maintain normal functioning and health. And other people that are more like canaries in the coal mine, they're right. more sensitive to their environments. They're more susceptible to these types of opportunistic. Well, nicely said. The Borrelia is considered as well as some kind of super super villain. You know, it's it, it's uh, uh, they call it um, pleomorphic, changes shapes, other things. But yeah, what about the law of the terrain? Let me give you the mindset. Everybody, listen to this. And I don't think Dr. Batar has seen this, but you'll you'll appreciate this. This is Dr. Moshe Ben Shoshan of the Division of Allergy and Clinical Immunology at Montreal's Children's Hospital, and. He's quoted in this article. He says, we can't suggest we become dirtier and expose our children to more bacteria. So he's, he's taken that, that germ theory context in there. He says, if the price of having fewer allergies is more infection, I don't know any parent who would expose their child to more infection. But you hear the mindset. This is the argument why everybody needs to get vaccinated, because they're automatically assuming that if you get a quote-unquote childhood infection, you're going to die. But it's not the truth. But... The part that we're not talking about and what he didn't say, and read that last part again, Robert. He said, I wouldn't, I don't uh, know any parent. That yeah, would, if read that I don't again. know any parent who would expose their children to more infection, it, it, you know, j- just because they said they want them to have fewer allergies. But the question is this Would every parent want their child to have a poison, known mm-hmm. poison? And that's the thing. And not just a known poison, but multiple known poisons. Yeah, he sidestepped that completely. That no, he didn't mention that at all. And and then he's going after parents who are now reinvigorating the idea of pox parties, right? Chicken pox parties, measles parties, to get their kids naturally acquired immunity or infection in childhood, which is, you know, what we did when our kids were that age. Right. See, Robert, here's the thing. If you look at it from an aerial 3,000 or 30,000 square, sorry, 30,000 foot elevation global perspective, and you look down on this problem, Mm-hmm. You're talking about the possibility of getting, of acquiring a condition, an infectious condition, which humans have survived from eons, mm-hmm. versus introducing a known poison or known poisons into their immune system at a point in their development when they can't tolerate it to eliminate the potential of causing a problem or infectious uh, issue, preventing an infectious issue that mankind has dealt with for for centuries, for, for thousands of years, uh, but we haven't dealt with introducing poisons peremptorily into the developing system for thousands of years, not even hundreds of years. This is relatively a very new phenomena, and you can see the incidence of such diseases as uh, autism, as pervasive developmental delay, as Asperger's, as ADD, ADHD. You can see the prevalence of these neurological conditions, how accelerated they've become just in the last 20, 25 years. Yeah, it is so, incredible, and I think that's what this guy is really pointing out as, as, a, as a so-called economist. He's a, you know he's writing for the Financial Post or something, and he's commenting very intelligently about this, and he's concerned about the conflicts of interest. He says, you know, because th- that that guy from the hospital I quoted, he's like saying, well, we we're really concerned about the health of these children, and this guy writing the article is actually saying, 
who has the incentive to curb needless or even harmful use of vaccines and medications? He says, because it's not the health bureaucracies and government, because they depend on that for their budget. It's not the medical research establishment, because they depend on that for their money and grants. It's not the drug companies that lobby for the removal of liability when their products are harmful. It's the, it's the parents. He says the only people who have an overwhelming incentive to protect the children are the parents. Man, he's talking some serious sense here. Absolutely, and he's right on. And the thing is that most people uh, in the medical profession at all, at least, will try to ridicule this guy, but he's right on. He's exactly on point. And they'll ridicule the parents as well. So he's taking the side of saying, you know, let's just step back, just like you said. Look at it from 30,000 feet and go, who really is the incentive to protect the kids? These other people are protecting their livelihood, so to speak, their economic ability right. to continue to, to generate and, and enjoy the high society, if you will, although that's becoming less and less possible as more and more parents are waking up to this mess. Exactly. And I think that when an individual, any individual, regardless of their knowledge base and, and whether they're aware of the global situation or not, when they sit down and judiciously uh, review the information. It only takes about an hour to two hours for every reasonable individual with a reasonable level of intellect to come to Mm -hmm. the same conclusion. And that conclusion is, I would much rather take my chance of dealing with an infectious issue, either myself or my child, Mm -hmm. rather than to prevent a potential infectious issue, give them a known poison. I mean, that's you know, when you look at it from that perspective, how can anybody argue? And yet, unless, of course, they don't care about their kid and they're trying to hurt their kid. Like right, right, of course. Right. Something like that. Yeah, and that, that's, you know, that's not as common. And, of course, as we say here, the ones doing the harm are the ones feigning to protect. And maybe they believe it, but it's more like a religious cult devotion to something rather than having, uh, you know, the acknowledgement that the parents have the greatest incentive to protect their children and that parents are very concerned for very good and legitimate reasons. This guy, Lawrence Solomon, who wrote this, by the way, it was written in January of 2012, but I, we just saw it today, and I thought this is a phenomenal thing to bring up, that you know they might try to criticize him for not being a Ph.D., not being a doctor, but we don't do that here, and you don't either. I mean, you recognize and acknowledge that there are things that people know they have an intuition about, and that we want to encourage people to follow that logic and common sense within them. Well, Robert, I actually penalize people if they are physicians. <laughs> I know, I know you do. I, I said it last hour. I said if you're a physician and duly licensed, you're actually you're handicapped. You have something that, that it, it alters the way you think and perceive. And, of course, I mentioned you as one of these weird exceptions to the rule that you've somehow broken out of that thought form to where you're actually helping folks with your knowledge base and your abilities. And there are others out there, but they're still very small percentage-wise in that profession. Yeah, I think it really comes down to what is the motivation behind the individual, you know, to, to do what they're doing? And as you know, Robert, and I think, I don't think we've ever talked about this on the air before, but I've tried mm-hmm. to leave the profession of medicine three different times, and God, you know, kicked mm-hmm. me back onto this path for you know, pretty much putting me in a situation where I had no choice. Right. Um, and, of course, when, when I've had to fight, you know, I've always wanted to leave medicine, but I want to leave on my own terms. I want somebody's going to try to force me out of it. That's totally different. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that I wanted to leave was because I was pretty much fed up and embarrassed and just, you know, it, it wasn't fulfilling the way I had expected it to. And, of course, mm-hmm. the last time was when when um, Abby got sick. And so that was, you know, that was, uh, what, 14 years ago. But since right. then, I have not argued with it. And 
when I said not argue with it, not argue with the universal consciousness, not argue with the Creator. This yes. is what I'm supposed to do. It, you know, so we do it. And the, and the motivation is to get people better. There is no other motivation. And the, the, when I see uh, an individual that is not a doctor but that has that natural ability to heal, which we yes. all do, because mm-hmm. in, in fact, I think I've heard it somewhere in some radio show, you know, the power to heal is yours. I, I don't know where that in, in fact, In fact, Dr. Batar, Ty Bollinger tells me in the next series, Quest for the Cures, that you're in as well. He actually has you saying the power to heal is yours. So you're going to be you're gonna be famous, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> hey, stick around. We're up on a break. When we come back, uh, we've got a follow-up question about blood pressure and a little bit on tinnitus as well. But they've, they've done some things, and they want to know if they need to do more. And Dr. Batar is here, Advanced Medicine Monday. Check it out, medicalrewind.com. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Wherever you're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show, we're happy you're doing so. Each and every uh, Monday, we begin the week here with Dr. Rasha Bittar, Advanced Medicine. He's the author of the international bestseller, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. All of those things are linked up, including a video series you can tap into. And MedicalRewind.com is also a place you can have easy access to the hundreds of hours of archives. Uh, Dr. Bittar, since we went weekday, I know you only appear once a week unless we can get you more, but we're on show 1000 on Thursday, the second of October, since we started going daily, so we've been cranking up the shows. Wow, that's that's for the that's for the medical rewind. That's for the, the, the whole show. No, uh, the whole, yeah, including medical rewind. Yeah, so just so just so you know, in case you feel like we're just lazing about when you're not on the air, we're working hard. Yeah, I, I know you are. <laughs> you, you know, I know you are. So, power to heal is yours. Great story. We know that. Super Don is too, definitely. Oh, he is. Okay. I thought maybe Don, so Don was just, just hanging out, but you were well, working hard. Well, t- today he's working hard because it's like International Coffee Day. Indeed. Oh, I got you, got you. Woo-hoo! <laughs> so, hey, tell Robert, me some... Go ahead. That, I want to finish off that thought before we went to the break, because we were talking about, you know, what the what the agenda is for an individual and what, what I personally think is the, sometimes people end up wanting to... Um, you know, what, what their motivation is to help people. And I've had certain situations in time where I have come across individuals that are not doctors, that are not uh, credentialed or don't have a degree, but have very, very innate powers within themselves, which, again, as I said facetiously before, the power to heal, you know, we've heard that somewhere before. We truly all do have that. Every human being has that. Not only the power to heal themselves, but the power to actually heal other people, because we are all energy beings. Mm-hmm. And I have come across, I'll give you a perfect example. I had a woman that was a hairdresser, and she had just some very unique ability, and I, I had sensed it when I first met her, but to the point that people that would go get chemotherapy, they would come to her. She was a hairdresser, and she would do wigs for these people that had lost their hair after chemotherapy. And she would, people would just come in just so that they could have her put their, put her hands on them, because uh-huh. when she was fitting them with the wigs, they would feel better. It was that powerful. And I had her working in my clinic for almost a year until she moved away, um, just when patients would come in, because she could feel what their issue was, energetically what their issue was. And it was always an emotional issue. And, and she was able to take 
a lot of these issues away. And I, I'll tell you, it was so powerful. We didn't even know what to call the, the treatment, so we just called it a counseling session. <laughs> That's what they would go in there and they would counsel. So I think that, you know, I don't care whether a person has a degree or not. I just want a person to get better. If a patient, if I can send somebody to um, some shaman in a different country and they can help the patient and I can't help them, that's where I'm going to send them because I want them to get better. Because individually, here's what happens. Energetically, when that person gets better, they're going to remember the person regardless whether I helped them or I directed them towards the help. And when they think of you in a positive way, that's that's the same thing as a prayer. It's, it's an right. intention. Yes. And so, I mean, it's a selfish reason. That's why I'm doing it. I'm sending them wherever I need time to get better because it's selfishly because I want them to have a positive intention towards me. But it's it's such a beautiful thing. May I say that now? You know, I'm not. Don't let Ty say I said that. But <laughs> that, that you know that you have that heart of that healer. That's what we talk about. You know, you're you're an intelligent guy, of course, as well. But the thing is, you acknowledge that connection for all people to be able to access that healing. And however it comes, it might be wrapped in a package different than you or I are even trained in. But to remain open to the gifts of spirit, that's perhaps one of the greatest gifts that you can give anybody, much less yourself in that healing realm. Well, so uh, I just, you know, I, I love hearing it. It makes me happy. It makes me smile. Well, Ty is a perfect example of this, and don't let, you know, make <laughs> I won't tell you. I won't tell you. We don't try to hear this at all. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, Ty is a perfect example of a person that's a CPA and, and has never had an interest or expressed an interest to do with health or healing until uh, this thing happened with his parents. I mean, he was health-oriented. You know, he bodybuilds and he was an athlete, etc., but as far as making something that's completely different from his vocation, where he started talking about health and healing and, and you know, all these other principles that you would expect from not a CPA, right? Uh, but maybe CPAs and not with a financial analyst writing this article about, you know, get dirty and, and avoid vaccines. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe there's a new trend coming. Maybe, maybe we need to redirect Obamacare to help the CPAs and the, the financial analysts to become the doctors, and then we'll all be much healthier go. because of it, as long as they're not selling us like uh, Federal Reserve notes like Twinkies, but that's another story. Uh, listen, we're, we're up against another break here just about, Dr. Batar, but we've got two really important questions of the day. As I said, I've been teasing it, and we're going to get to it. The blood pressure follow-up, a little bit related to tinnitus, the ringing in the ears, and then a question about cervical cancer. I don't know that we've talked about that this in detail. A medical procedure, could it be doing more harm than good? Stick around. 866-939-2355. The Robert Scott Bell Show here six days a week. Dr. Batar here once every week. Advanced medicine, it's called. And we'll be back with Dr. Batar and you all and Super Don after this. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back. Robert, 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 Scott, 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 Bell. Let's take a walk on the wild side. Oh, righty then. You're everywhere, baby. Radio, TV, the papers. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Right, right, right. Robert Scott Bell. Bell. All right, we got more healing to do with Dr. Rashid Batar. We do advanced medicine. It's medicalrewind.com if you want to go directly to archives, make it easy for you. And that links out to a whole plethora of healing. But we got them. Well, we got them live on the air with us. We got questions of the day. You peoples out there, you want answers, we got them. Stand by. This is it. Hello, RSB, Super Don, and Dr. Batar. I wrote to you about nine months ago about high blood pressure. 
I was taking three meds for it, and after following your advice, I am now off two of them completely and still working on the third. By the way, we don't give advice technically on the show. We just provide information, just so you know. Uh, and I know, Dr. Batar, you concur, because we're, we, you're not our patients out there. You're just listening. We're educating and informing, uh, which is distinct and different. So, But that's pretty cool, though. They, they apply what we're talking about here and down to one and working on getting rid of that. Yeah, that's excellent. You can't ask for anything more. I mean, you're just slow but steady, and doing it, you know, coming off the medication is one, mm-hmm. of, the, one of the key benefits in itself. So congratulations mm-hmm. to her. Yeah, so she continues. Um, this is... Uh, Who's writing it? Kelly. Kelly says, uh, I sh- uh, it just occurred to me that I should have asked you guys about tinnitus back then, as I have been plagued by a high-pitched buzzing sound in both ears for about two and a half years now. It just seemed to come up out of the blue. Uh, she says, I'm not li- I don't listen to loud music, um, but over 10 years ago, she worked in a highly industrial area, but she used hearing protection. She has been exposed to lots of crude oil uh, while cleaning up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. That's an interesting clue. And lots of chemicals associated with the oil industry. And she says, I imagine I may need a professionally administered detox, but is there anything else I can do while I save up my pennies for that? Thanks again for all you do to keep us uh, able to take charge of our own health, Kelly G. Kelly, and by the way, tinnitus is a common side effect to many drugs as well. I just want to mention that before you kick into gear here, Dr. Batar. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, it's actually associated with salicylate poisoning, and it's also associated with lead poisoning. Interesting. So if she's if she posited, rightly so, to go for, a, a let's say, a more intense level detoxification, I think that would be critical. I mean, I'm not opposed to saying, hey, you could take a tinnitus remedy made in homeopathic form. It might help you, but if there's still the exacerbation of nerve injury or pain associated or the tinnitus associated with these toxins, that's not going to take it away. Exactly, and if it does, it's just going to be temporary at best because the underlying ideological component, the cause of it, has not been addressed. And I would venture to say it's probably lead because, uh, you know, she kind of gave that history of the oil spill and, this, you know, lead, cadmium, and mercury are high constituents of, uh, of oil. Basically, combustion of fossil fuels is where you get the cadmium, lead, and mercury exposure the mm-hmm. most. And... Um, Inhalation is actually the worst way of getting it. Now, of course, she probably wasn't inhaling it, but still, the exposure aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure she has a, a lead. Um, I, I would, I would say, 95% certainty she's got a lead issue. And if she can get the lead removed, she'll start seeing a pretty rapid improvement in the uh, tinnitus. Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed. So, yeah, continue the the course and. Uh, you're an inspiration to us, Kelly, for following what we've said here and, and actually seeing the improvement. I mean, that's the point of what we, we're talking about here, bringing the power to heal back to you. And, you know, sometimes it might be upsetting to some doctors out there to say, oh, you're taking away my business. Like, dude, if you can't get enough people to come to you, that's that's another problem altogether because there are so many sick people, people that are so toxic that it doesn't matter how many people we help, help there's going to be millions of others that still need help. So uh, if you're complaining about there, you're not you're probably not a loyal fan to the show anyway. Never mind. <laughs> well, I was uh, going to say, if somebody's mm-hmm. complaining about that, there's, there's many other deeper issues you've got to deal with. Yeah, exactly. Person. You might want to find another profession. Maybe go into uh, CPAing. You'll, you'll do better. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> here's, here's one from Roger. Roger is a loyal, I do know, is a big-time listener of the show, big fan of Dr. Batar. He says, hi, RSB and Dr. Batar. I have a friend that has been diagnosed with cervical cancer. The test used was done by scraping the cervix. The biopsy was sent to the lab, and the result on a scale of 1 to 10 was an 8. 
She is scheduled for surgery on October 30th, so the end of next month. The surgery is the LEAP, L-E-E-P procedure. Super Don, do you have that in front of you, the LEAP, uh, uh, how to say it, the LEAP procedure? The LEAP procedure is loop electrosurgical excision procedure. Do you, are you familiar with that one, Dr. Batar? I know you don't necessarily do cervical uh, surgery, but uh, it's something that's probably somewhat known. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty standard thing in medicine. Yeah, he says it involves scraping deeper. Uh, but he's asking, is this one of those scam deals just to do the surgery? He, he's always focused on natural, just wants to know. I mean, obviously, there might be a point where you do need to remove certain cancerous cells, but couldn't that also create even worse problems, you know, where, where you have chronic injury and chronic inflammation after the fact if you don't know what to do? Well, it's not different than any other surgical procedure. The only difference here is that they're using an electrical, like a cauterization-type technique as opposed mm-hmm. to a, a uh, surgical blade-type technique. And the reason is because that area of the body is highly vascular, so you can have easily complication of uh, bleeding that can't be stopped. So they usually use some type of um, cauterizing. Mm-hmm. Um, component and so that's what the basically the leap procedure is and and it's uh, no more safer or more detrimental than any other type of surgical debulking type component right and uh, there's no radiation or anything like that so compared to the other options chemo and, and radiation it is in my opinion even though it sounds counterintuitive it is the least invasive surgery is always I, I know that for people listening, they would think, well, surgery is the most invasive, but in actuality, you're not changing the morphological characteristics of the tissue when you do surgery. You're cutting it, yes, but you're not mutating it and and burning it and chemically altering it like you do with yeah. chemoradiation, right? Right. And so, yeah, I, so I, I wouldn't have any more concern using a LEAP than I would any other type of surgical procedure, if that's sure. the question. You know, because there was a DNC kind of thing. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the bigger issue that that are raised for all women listening today is the question is, why would we see an incidence of severe, you know, cancer of any kind, much less in the cervical region? Um, you know, it, it brings to mind all of the toxicities you talk about in the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Yeah, uh, you're, you're right, Robert. I think that, you know, when, you t- when you're talking from a general population standpoint, women as a general should be aware, and men also should be aware on their side, because the prostate and the cervix, think of them as analogous, okay? Um, it is the uterus, the cervix, that the endometrial region, a woman should be very attached to it, okay? I'm trying to say that. I'm trying not to be too facetious, but literally, we should not be so easy at allowing somebody to take the uterus away, just like we shouldn't be so easy if, if you're a man. Don't allow somebody to say, oh, well, let's go and remove your prostate. You know, they're, they're thought to be these elective organs, and they're not. We don't understand fully yet in medical science how crucial the uterus is for its for, for the individual, uh, just right. like the prostate. In fact, Dr. Um, Frederick Dalwich did a study, and he looked at the life expectancy of individuals, prostate cancer patients, that had no surgical intervention versus debulking with uh, a TERP uh, versus a TERP is a transurethral resection of the prostate, versus having a, abdomin- having a, um, a radical prostatectomy. And they looked at the difference between the radical prostatectomy, the TERP, and the no surgical um, intervention, just letting the patient go down whatever course they're going down, but no surgical intervention, meaning that the prostate is still 
with intact. And I don't remember the difference between the TERP and the radical prostatectomy. I think it was pretty similar. But the people that had their prostate intact, their survival rate was like a year, 1.8 years longer than, their, than the other group, keeping the prostate intact. Now, we wouldn't think that, okay, wait a second, you're taking out the organ with the or cancer, then why is the other group living longer? Well, that's the whole point, that there are other aspects that we don't understand, so we're actually decreasing life when we just take out the prostate. And the same thing with the uterus. So uh, I have a real, real issue whenever we talk about taking out certain organs, because it's not like you can put it back in. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the gallbladder's not functioning. Okay, it's down to, you know, we talked about this before on the air, 90% uh, dysfunction, is only 10% functioning left based on the height of scan. Okay, what do we do? We take it out. Wait a second. You got went from 100% down to 10%, and instead of saying we got to do something to bring that 10% up to 20, 30, 50, 100%, what do mm-hmm. we do? Let's take it down to zero, and now we just take the whole gallbladder out. Yeah, that? exactly. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, uh, in so many cases, we've talked about the, the fear induced via even genetics, like mom and your sister and your aunt, they all had some form of cancer, breast, cervical, or otherwise ovarian, and they're convincing women to prophylactically remove their body parts and yet we covered a story just the other day about a woman who had all of that removed because she was afraid because she was told she had the BRCA1 gene mutation, as they call it. It turns out she I still got she cancer. She still got yeah, cancer. I gonna, I, I, yeah, I was just going to say, I bet she still got cancer, right? Yeah, and they, it, then they even called it cervical cancer or, or ovarian cancer, even though she had no ovaries. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we're, we're dealing with a high-level ignorance within... The medical profession it's butchery at that point as opposed to genuinely reacting out of necessity in a, a real crisis to remove something of course our goal and the goal with your book as well and what we do together is to keep people out of that crisis or even if they're in it if they're not impend it's not a life and death impending scenario perhaps they can make those changes and we've reported on it ty bollinger has reported on it for years the reversal of cancer without chemo radiation and surgery right right i mean this is uh you know, when you say it's high level of uh, ignorance, Robert, I I have a hard time making an excuse and saying this, uh, this writing up to ignorance. I think maybe to some extent some people are ignorant about it, but I think that on the higher echelons of um, medical education, they, they know the truth, and it's, it's orchestrated. It's, it's, you know, it goes back to the history of medicine, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm that, that history... That, but... That lost history is something again we bring up, and and uh, you know you've you've referred to it. Ty has written about it. I've written about it, and it's something that you know if, if we if we give some level of ignorance to those who have been programmed or brainwashed, it, they have to be open and willing to relook or look for the first time at a history they were not taught that they were purposefully not taught for the purpose of controlling their minds as well. Right, and and, and to me, you see, it's almost when you condone their ignorance by saying, well, they just are not aware of it. It's almost taking away from those that have, you know, that, that have the knowledge. It's almost like, well, how did they get the knowledge? We weren't taught this in school. So, you know, there's a, there's a some, some part of this is just sticking your head in the sand and saying, you know, I don't see, I don't hear, and yeah. all of that. Well, we'll pull the sand out of everybody's ears and we have a little bit more time to do it with Dr. Rasha Bittar here on Advanced Medicine. And, of course, MedicalRewind.com. If you miss any of these shows, easy access directly linked there as well to Dr. Batar's books. So stick around. We're going to wrap it up after this break. Dr. Batar is with us still. Live around the world. The Robert Scott Bell Show. 
Robert Scott Bell. follow-up to the question of the day. See, real-time, while we're on the air, those of y'all who listen to it live have an advantage. You can actually interact with us live on the air by calling or through social networks, etc. Roger says, hey, thanks to Dr. Batar, but uh, he was worried about ha- this woman having this done every few years. Won't that cause scar tissue over time, creating more of a problem? What do you think, Dr. Batar? Yeah, well, I mean, yes, it will, but the problem is really, I mean, again, you have to ask, you know, listen to the question that's being asked. If the underlying issue has not been resolved, then you're going to continue mm-hmm. having the same problem, and then you're going to continue doing the same thing, which is a sleep procedure. And mm-hmm. according to Einstein, the definition of insanity is to keep on doing the same thing and expect different results. Obviously, right. the underlying issue hasn't been addressed, and of course you're not going to you know, have a resolution to that underlying issue when you haven't addressed it properly, so then you're going to have the necessity of repeating the procedure. But the question is, why is it? the underlying issue not being addressed. It's not well, the problem with the scarring of the lead procedure. No, it's clear to me she has not read the nine steps to keep the doctor away. That's, that's what I take away from it. Because, you, you know, listen, and it's not a joke. It's like if you keep going back in, just as you said, for the same procedure, oh, my gosh, the same thing happened. We removed it and it grew back. What is that? Well, it means that whatever caused it has not been addressed. You're simply managing or excising the symptom which is, you know, the whole idea of the extreme extremities that they go to by removing their extremities, breasts or the internal organs to prevent cancer that are not caused by those organs, right? The cervix is not the cause of cervical cancer. Removing it doesn't remove what it really is. And that is, again, something that in oncology they don't acknowledge. If they, if they look to toxins, if they look to deficiencies, they're out of business. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Robert. I like that. The cervix is not the cause of cervical cancer. You know, yeah. As silly and as funny as that sounds, it would probably be very helpful for a lot of people to hear that message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I you mean, know, it means, listen... Just apply whatever cancer you want, insert whatever cancer you want in there, but that's, that's exactly yeah. what you said is, is something that I think a lot of people would benefit from that. Yeah, what... what, what? What endocrine disruptors does she have in her system or in her environment? What heavy metals is she burdened with? Uh, what minerals is she deficient in? I mean, there there's so many things that could be contributing to this. It's not one thing, but as we talked about even last week, that if you do the things that are in the nine steps to keep the doctor away, your life changes. Your physical body manifests differently. Not because it's, you know, a miracle, unless you say it's a miracle is a changed consciousness, which is, you know, maybe true for a lot of folks that are stuck in their ways. But it's not just about removing things. It's about transforming your life by doing something different, which also starts with something very important, your belief about something, your belief about life itself, your belief about cancer. Those things are the starting points as well. Absolutely right, Robert. Well said. Yeah. So uh, with that, let's see, real quick, we got a question about the flu. Somebody is concerned because they're really pushing the flu mist this year in these schools, and she wants to know what she could present to the school board when they have their meetings. And I, I just said open up the flu mist insert and make that into a PowerPoint, and you will show that that flu mist is an active virus, and 21 to 28 or more days after the mist, you are contagious. You can spread it around by sneezing and breathing and coughing and wheezing in the schools. They're going to precipitate the very flu that they're claiming to want to prevent yeah i mean that's a that's a great great thought because it's used the data in the drug into stuff you know it's amazing how much information 
is in those drug inserts. For example, side effects of anti-seizure drugs is seizure activity. That's the number one side effect. Now, how many people do you think would actually take seizure medication were they to know that the chances of them having a seizure are exponentially increased just by taking the drug? And I'm just using that as an example. I know that has nothing to do with the flu vaccine, but that's, that's an important part for people to understand that, look, there's a reason that these drug inserts are, are put in there, and maybe they're just relying on people being completely lazy and not reading them, but, you know, read that stuff. And I, I don't think any logical person of reasonable intellect would continue to do any of those drugs if they just read the drug insert. Mm-hmm. Yep. And any of our environmentalist friends, when you realize what a vaccine is, it's taking all the pollution you claim you don't like and putting it right into a syringe and injecting it into helpless little babies. If, if, if you're for vaccination, you are not an environmentalist because you're destroying the very environment that is necessary for healthy life in that baby, in that child, in that soon to be hopefully a healthy adult. But, ah, man, the challenge is on each and every week here when we come together with this kind of information. I love that we can ratchet it up further. Well, it's, uh, if it helps one person even, Robert, it's well worth the time, right? Absolutely it is. Well, we got lots of exciting things happening uh, this year. I know we're sort of heading toward the end of the year, but we've got a lot of cool stuff that Dr. Batar will be revealing each and every week. Don't miss an Advanced Medicine Monday or whatever day he happens to show up. It's Advanced Medicine. And, of course, go to medicalrewind.com if you miss the show. All the links are up, including to his book. Dr. Batar, take us out. You know what the message is. The power to heal is yours. Thank you, my friend. We'll be back tomorrow. The Robert Scott Bell Show.